This is Sharon Anderson, also known as Podcast Mom, and you are now listening to Sacramento's number one soccer-specific podcast. Hey, Sacramento soccer fans, this is John, and welcome to episode 16 of the self-proclaimed number one soccer-specific podcast in Sacramento, the Sacktown FC podcast, part of the Beautiful Game Network and sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. Tonight, we are excited to be joined by a local soccer junkie with a rich history in the soccer scene in Sacramento. I'm joined, as usual, by my co-host, Luis. Luis, how are you doing tonight? Doing good, John. Uh, just stopped raining here in Modesto. We're supposed to be getting some more rain tomorrow and then some light rain, I think, in the, over the weekend. But good news is that we're actually hitting the mid-70s next week. So I think we, we should get some sun next week, hopefully. Oh, I'm so about that. So about some sunshine and some some uh, ability to get more tan on this transparent skin of mine. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully we get sun and, and you get sun over there too. So our guest today is brought to you courtesy of the Mikuni Dreamline. Check them out online or using the app today for 15% off your takeout order. So as John said earlier, uh, joining us today is a local soccer junkie who has worn multiple hats over a 40-year period in the Sacramento soccer scene, a huge supporter for the Republic, where at one time was the team operations coordinator, and a big supporter of the players. When she's not able to get her soccer fix, she can be found outdoors, riding a bike, and even taking photos while on walks. We here on the podcast refer to her as Podcast Mom, the one and only Sharon Anderson. Thank you for joining us today, Sharon. And how are you doing today? Oh, today's been a really good day. Thanks. I got my bicycle better tuned so that it'll go better and faster and won't make as much noise. So that's always a good thing, right? When you're a cyclist. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's great. And, you know, if we get better weather here, which, you know, we should be getting better better weather here in the next week, it'll be a good time to, to go out and do some cycling. You're so, telling me you took the bas- the baseball cards out of the spokes? <laughs> or the little The only the thing little... I didn't re- <laughs> I didn't remove the lights from Christmas time where oh. you're you they go around the spoke the wheel so I still okay. have the lights on. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. So we have a couple of questions here. I shouldn't say just a couple. We have actually a lot of questions here to ask you Sharon. So let's get this started. So Soccer, along with sports and, you know, a lot of other things, how are you passing time until soccer returns? Well, <laughs> um, given the, the state of – I'm actually working part-time, so that helps a lot. It gives me purpose and fulfillment. Um, I don't even know that I want to tell you what I'm doing for my job, but I will because it's important. Um, I work for Cal Recycle, which is part of Calipa, and – I'm the coordinator for the for California's Illegal Dumping Technical Advisory Committee. <laughs> so you can laugh. It's not that I know how to do all the illegal dumping, but I'm trying to um, do what I can to help us solve illegal dumping. So that keeps me really busy because there's a lot of things that we have to do. I mean, everybody knows a little bit about that. But besides posting and, and besides that, I... Uh, <clears throat> I have an adorable old cat that sometimes finds her way onto social media because she's quite funny. She's talkative. And so my social media consumption has gone way up during this time, as well as um, 
um, my other activities. So I don't know if you've experienced this or any of your listeners have experienced a decline in FOMO, fear of missing out, because there's not as much externally to participate in. And my, you know, everybody, you, you relax a little bit because you don't have to think that you have to be doing something all the time. And that's a very healthy thing. Um, yeah. I've thought of watching some of the older soccer games in my queue. And I might get around to it. But with this good weather, I'm just either on my bike or walking in my area um, or talking and bothering my friends with video chat, you know, that sort of thing. So um, thanks for asking. And I'm, I'm good. I'm, my days are getting filled up. My floors got triple cleaned the other day. I think everybody's experiencing <laughs> house cleaning <clears throat> like they've never done it before. I, I couldn't even tell you what that is. I have a bounce house in our living room for my kids <laughs> with uh, those balls that, from like a ball pit at Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> Everywhere. Okay, they're not so, as dirty as the ball pit balls and Chuck E. Cheese's ball pit. No. No, no, no. We bought them, and and the kids. Um, there, there's not that many, so they they actually are in charge of cleaning them, which okay. is kind of fun. They got a soap and water, and they they're in charge of that part. But it's been a it's been a interesting week and a half here at the uh, household. Have you noticed though that you don't feel like you have to like? jump on to like going to this and doing that because there's not a go or a do right now. Right. Well, with, with three kids under six, it's, you've got to keep them entertained at all hours. So they're always wanting something, something more. Can I do That's this? True. Can I, That's so true. It's, I'm always on my, on my feet trying to get them entertained in some way. Cause my wife's working. So she's working from home. I'm trying to, you know, do conferencing via uh, zoom or any other platform with, with students and, kids are running left and right and my parents who aren't far but you know we're doing the quarantine thing and trying to be as safe as possible so we're uh it's it's been tough but uh we are finding our finding our groove which will be good and Luis, you good yeah uh, i'm good yeah we've been working from home so yeah most of my time is spent at home so it's it's a little bit different because you know i'm used to being out and about and just, you know, talking to other coworkers. So it's, it's definitely been something different, definitely. But, you know, getting used to it because, you know, we're probably going to have to do this for maybe a little over a month, it seems, if not more. So hopefully, you know, it ends soon and we can go back to normal. I don't want to make any jokes about, oh, it'll be all over by Easter, but I'm gonna, I just did. (laughs) I don't know if there will. I mean, we keep we keep seeing things get pushed back more and more within the sports world. And even with the educational system, we're seeing that schools are putting out that, hey, you know, May, May 1st. Uh, it's some of the schools in the Bay Area, at least. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, there was a, a broadcast earlier today from the White House that predicted April uh, Easter. <laughs> well, I'm not going to wood. I hope that I hope that that works, but we'll see. Yeah. So the the time frame is the is the early '80s, and you <laughs> have developed a um, appreciation for the sport of soccer. How did that occur? Um, well, I wish that I could say that I actually grew up playing soccer, but with um, <clears throat> my age and my gender, I actually didn't 
get a start until I was a young adult. And, um, but having a good athletic background with my older brother and sister, well, my sister, you know, she was so athletic and it was really easy to watch what she did. She was an equestrian and a field hockey player. And my dad was athletic. My mom danced. My brother used me as a sports playmate. So, you know, it's kind of, I'm not saying he used me as a younger brother. I just happened to be the person who was his sport playmates. That was cool. Um, And so I got involved with rugby, of all things, before soccer. And two years of playing rugby and taking a lot of the kicks because of the strength and the thigh from dancing, right? You build up different muscles. And anyhow, um, my sis, thankfully, she was part of a group of moms in the 80s that started playing matches in a loosely formed league. Um, they didn't really have a league. They had their kids had leagues, but they didn't. And then one thing led to another and I jumped at the opportunity to learn the sport and, um, got onto my sister's team trained under a Dutch coach. Some people, if they listen to this podcast, they're going to laugh when I say his name because Fred Walrab, even though he was, he was a very good soccer player in his day and he was a very good coach. He was also a questionable referee and his nickname was wrong way Freddy. Um, cause everybody claimed that he always made the call go the wrong way. Hmm. So that was his nickname, but I loved playing for him. Um, and he had a very thick accent and it was just absolutely just way too much fun. I also trained under Dirk Denkers who qualified for the Olympic team back in the eighties, but he handed off his qualification to none other than Steve Petusky and you guys might not know those names, but they were some of the founding famous guys in the area. There's so many of them, but I played on a variety I, of teams. I remember Petusky. You do. Well, he's still around. Yeah, yeah. He's probably still coaching and he probably, you know, coaches his kids. Who knows? He, You'll never get he, him out of the game. <laughs> no, there's a lot of guys, you know, the, the Pauls, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of pretty much anybody who's ever like myself, once you start playing and once you understand the sport, you can't, you just, it's like in your bloodstream. You just don't ever, it doesn't leave you ever. And I don't know. I'm sure that's true with most any sport or with any endeavor when you're passionate, but anyhow, so I even trained under one of um, Pele's Brazilian teammates on, he was on a club team. Um, This was Joe Barrico. And I don't know if anybody remembers that name, but some people, older, like my age group and a little bit younger, know Joe Barrico and training under him and drilling under him the Brazilian way was intense. And I just, I learned so much good soccer from those guys and playing a lot of pickup, played a lot of pickup with men over time, you know, so getting into the men's psyche for me was a natural, you know, I, I, because that's who I played with. I played pickup with men. I, you know, I learned from a lot of men and I played with the women and it was lovely. And then after making years of deep and numerous contacts in the local soccer community, I finally married a professional soccer coach, which was like for the time that we were married was like a total dream come true. Um, we ran in similar circles. We knew a lot of the local talent, you know, Lakeisha Bean, that's who my cat's named after. She used to be a goalkeeper here, you know, Craig Huff, Ian, you know, all 
but Ian Frazier, all of the indoor Sacramento Knights players. Um, it was it was fabulous, and being with him laid the groundwork for me getting further into soccer administration because he became the coach of the now defunct A League, which is now the USL, uh, the league we're playing in right now. Um, he coached the Sacramento Geckos when they came from Albuquerque. My ex-husband coached that team, and I kind of got involved a little bit with the administ- the administrative side, not much. And then after that, the um, the next phase was the outdoor Sacramento Knights, and that was just another dream come true. A lot of hard work, not pay, no pay, always in the evenings and weekends. Um, doing a lot of the laundry right here in the house for the players because my um, husband brought the laundry home and then we would do it. And it was interesting times traveling with the team. Sometimes I was the only one that would travel with the team when they would go like to Spokane or to Utah to, to play um, in the, that was uh, back in the NPSL days. Great groundwork. I was the announcer the game day um, operations coordinator to make sure that everything that happened on the field happened when it was supposed to, including queuing up music, which don't ask me how to do it now, but it was so easy back then. And, you know, doing all the, um, all the record keeping, all of that for that. And then writing up the press releases for the game, because I would do the interpretation of the game after it was over. And those, I mean, that was just an incredible groundwork. You get such knowledge when you're right there working with the team. Um, and then that, that stopped in 2006. I think the, that team won the national championship, the NPSL championship playing against Madison. And of course, I was back there for that. A real good highlight for me, you know, of my life in 2006. That was awesome. And then um, that experience few years later, once I retired from civil service, all of that led to me getting to um, throwing my hat into the arena, kind of not on purpose, but by accident with Graham Smith and Precky at the time and Warren Smith. Um, I went to watch the tryouts back in 2013. And I got to know Graham. And I got to know some of the other people that were already staff at the time for the Sacramento um, Republic FC before they were even starting to play games. And one thing led to another. And I was sitting in a meeting with another person in Graham. And I started asking Graham a lot of questions of, did he have this? Did he have that? How's he setting up for, you know, all the administrative things for the team side. And then he asked me later, he says, Hey, can you help um, set up accommodations, you know, give us a, um, give us a cost estimate for renting, buying, you know, furniture, renting places, find a house, you know, we need to get the players situated because we're bringing players in. It was almost like um, trying to land a plane as you're reading the instructions on how to land the plane. Um, That's so, curious. Yes. So one uh, so that led to me doing a trial with Graham and setting up some of the administration. They had a team administrator, but I wasn't, you know, I wasn't that yet. Um, 
And so I just did some things off to the side that um, <laughs> he, he referred later on after, you know, sometime after I actually did get hired as team operations coordinator. <laughs> he said, every team in England has a tea lady, a tea lady, like somebody who yeah. brings the tea to the players. And it's like, okay, all right. And then a, a few months later, he said, well, we kind of know you as team mom. And it's like, okay, so I'm team M-U-M, you know, because that's how, how it was right. pronounced. It's like, okay, but would you call a guy a team mom or would you call him a team administrator? Because I was doing a lot of the administrative duties, but I didn't care. It was Graham, you know, you just let it pass. So that kind of a little bit of how team mom came, even though I bristled initially at being called team mom. Um, when you end up setting up accommodations for players and making sure that they're, you know, the catering, we have a one, they had a wonderful um, catering arrangement with the college for daily training and, you know, working with all the different components of running behind the scenes things. Um, it was pretty easy. It was tiring, but it was, it was not super hard, but it was, a lot, many, many hours and absolutely delightful. So you get to know every single player, you get to know what they like and don't like. Um, so I don't know if I've answered the question, if I've taken you <laughs> deep inside. The You've gone down the rabbit hole, but I think you gave us the answer that we were looking for in terms of <laughs> um, where, 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 how you became a part of the Republic family and why you're so invested in that um, entity itself. So we really appreciate that. That's a, that's a yeah. great story and I'm not to, with them. to hear. Right. And I'm not with them now. I mean, that ended right. a, but you're still, a couple of years ago. Right. But you're still a major part of that. And players, you know, still know who you are. And that's, mm -hmm. that's, a, that's important. It's very adorable. And I'm very grateful. So, you know, we, we've been seeing uh, Sharon, like just a lot of things, you know, in the world, of course, you know, being postponed and, you know, a lot, especially, large gatherings and of course soccer is not an exception to that and you know in the last couple of pods you know we've talked about how like a lot of the leagues are you know setting up postponement day and then you know day passes on and then they just keep postponing it so you know at this point we don't know exactly you know what what might happen or when the leagues might come back but I wanted to ask um what are your thoughts about when you think we will see soccer again if you know we even see soccer again this season I think it'll be our our country in particular is going to be probably doing an un a, a rolling opening, um, but I think overall, I mean, as soon as we can look is is May. I mean, I think that was a legitimate guess, but at the end of the day, if you think about the whole entire soccer structure worldwide, you've got all kinds of different leagues and all types of friendly competitions. You've got, you know, qualifications, you've, you've got different things happening. And so it's kind of all going to be dependent on, you know, what between FIFA and U S soccer and the different leagues playing in U S soccer. I think my best guess is, is may, it could be June, but you know, hopeful, very, very hopeful for May very hopeful as long as people do the right thing um 
and we don't see the huge spike in um, illnesses that debilitate a country. So, yeah, hopefully, hopefully it does come back. But I mean, that that would be ideal. <laughs> so, Sharon, um, you've been in the game for for decades. Uh, <laughs> Are you calling me old? No, I'm just saying you're experienced in, in your soccer knowledge. So who are your favorite players from the past and the present? So I have this really weird um, penchant for either hard players or skillful players like Michelle Akers or Lothar Mateus. You know, he was kind of a hard man. Roy Keane, Ronaldo, Ronaldinho. Robin Van Persie, oh my goodness, the dude was skilled like crazy, you know. And then you have players like Cece and Marta and Abby Wambach, who was kind of a hard player up top. She was a very unique beast for us. And then players like Hope Solo. I mean, that woman was nuts and fearless at the same time. Loved Still is. Seeing, huh? Still is. Still, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, some of the new crop of players in my sites include, like, Carly Lloyd. And I know a lot of people say, well, she doesn't defend. She doesn't play the other side of the ball. It's like, well, you know, what she does, she makes she makes up for a lot of stuff. And I've watched a lot of her training. And she, she's relentless. She's, she's, and it's unfortunate, unfortunate that she's aging out, you know, that she'll be aging out of the um, – national team but you know i love i love watching her and her spirit and her spunk and how she brings the team together um and then of course i have to say that every sac republic player that has come through is my favorite okay i can't like not i can't it's like your children um you can't pick one over another it's so hard it's fair that's fair <laughs> <laughs> they they each are my favorites for different reasons you know James Kiffy you know just because he was so cynical and so critical but you gotta love a guy who's like he's like he was funny and then Josh I used to chant from the um as they would go out on the field my sister and I would chant you have one job Josh one job <laughs> I could tell he was just rolling his eyes every time he heard that because nobody else nobody else was chanting that except for us one job josh <laughs> so you know anybody who puts up with weird fans is my favorite <laughs> yeah no josh was definitely a, a fan favorite too i mean i i would say you know he's probably my favorite goalkeeper we've had in, in the last couple of years too so yeah, yeah. Not to see him go, but hey, hopefully he comes back when we're in MLS. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. I I think so. I think he would have. They'd welcome him back with open arms, and probably just add him to a deep string of you know. By that time, we've, we've collected four keepers. You know, <laughs> just add him in. <laughs> yeah, That's I know. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so Sharon, what would you say is uh, your favorite memory from a Republic game you've attended? A Republic game? Oh, come on. I mean, that's a slam dunk. You know, the miracle. I mean, that's, that's, I was sitting field side when that was all going down. And, you know, when you're wearing a couple of hats, like, you know, thinking about player safety and this, and does everybody have what they need? And then all of a sudden this happens and the pandemonium breaks out. It's like, 
it's like it catches you and the enthusiasm. And then after the game was over and then after we won the championship, then, you know, everything, all of that, just all of those things favorite. But my, um, I don't have children. I have an old cat that is not a child crying in the background. That's a cat. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I, I actually, was going to say another favorite game of mine was a gold cup USA versus Mexico in um, 1998 that um, for out external, but you didn't ask me that, but I was going to offer that one up because there's a story behind it. Ooh, That's yeah. fine. Go ahead, go ahead and share. Um, I was single and I still wanted to keep watching soccer because, and I didn't think I really needed to have anybody go with me and I made all my arrangements I stayed in a hotel. I found out from Dave Willie, who is Brian Willie, one of our coach academy coaches' dad. I knew his, I knew Dave more before I knew Brian because Dave. I played pickup soccer with Dave at the parks downtown. So he gave me a clue because Brian at the time was equipment manager for the U.S. men's national team. Dave gave me a clue as to where the men's national team hotel was, and I thought, perfect. I feel safe. I can go down there. I'll stay at the same hotel. And it was, it was just perfect. It was delightful. I got to meet Frankie Haydick. I got to meet all the guys back then, um, you know, because they were all having breakfast and talk to um, the coaches because they would all come down to the lounge in the evening time the day before the game, not the players, just the coaches. And so the next day I made my way to the Coliseum and I was so overwhelmed. Now um, I do speak Spanish and, and so being, if you can imagine a stadium that holds, what was it, 78,000 or 85,000? I don't remember what it holds, where eh, three quarters or more of the fans were rooting for Mexico, not the USA. But all of the fans in the stands, it was like I wasn't getting the beer showers. I wasn't getting, you know, I, I, I was so confident and so comfortable because of you know, and even though I was rooting for the team, the minority of fans were, um, it was like I was protected and I was, it, it, and because I was by myself, every, it, all the people around me knew that. And so we all enjoyed the game together and we were able to talk back and forth about things that were happening down on the field. And, and it was a, it ended up being a one Oh, you know, Mexico won that game one zero, but it was such an exciting game. And those were the, the players that played at that time were some of the best that we've had ever. Right. Um, that was, you know, Marcelo Balboa's time frame. That was Frankie Hadek. That was all those guys. Um, Casey Keller, just Brad Friedel. I mean, all of those guys, I think that was, might've been when Brad Friedel decided he was pledging his um, allegiance to the English premier. Like I'm trying to remember the time frame back then. But that had to have been one of the most exciting games I've ever attended by myself, you know, because it's, it was at the time, probably not the most popular thing for me to do or the smartest thing, but I did it. And yay. Yeah. But I mean, the Mexico USA games are always, always something else, you know, there's always that, that rivalry too. And, you know, being at a stadium like the Coliseum, which, you know, is a, just an amazing venue. Like I'm sure like, it, it must've been really, really epic. It was epic. It was totally epic. 
And I tried to have the same experience because, uh, what was it, two months later or a month later, I went down to watch a friendly Paraguay play the USA at in San Diego back, um, gosh, what field was that? Anyhow, Qualcomm. it doesn't matter. Qualcomm, yeah. And that was as intense and exciting for me, but way more kickback, you know, because it, it was just a friendly. But I got to see... Um, Cello do the diving header, um, you know, the famous one. I think that was that game, right? Yep. Is Yeah. It, just all, all the good things in those games in the past. Yep. Nice. Yeah. So this, this question was, was meant for Danny to ask because he uh-huh. is a part of the TBB with Los Unicos. Um, uh-huh. Besides the game on the pitch, what are some, th- some of the things you enjoy – about being at PMP on match day? (laughs) The Tower Bridge Battalion. And I'll tell you, anybody who complains about the noise in the stadium doesn't realize that that has to be exactly the way it is. (laughs) Thank you. Somebody who agrees on that end. Okay, good. Yeah. And even though I don't, I'm a member of Tower Bridge Battalion, paying dues paying member, got the scarf, but I sit in my regular seats or I wander and I, if it wasn't for the tower bridge battalion, I don't think we'd have half of the flavor of what makes it so exciting. And so ominous for the opponent, you know, they don't like the wall of sound (laughs) and especially, you know, goalkeepers and, and, you know, our fans can get under the skin of the opposing coach. I saw, um, it, a Reno match, you know, where our fans got underneath um, the coach's skin and it didn't turn out well. The coach threatened to take it out to the parking lot. It was like, huh, mm-hmm. no, you don't, you don't do that. But that's Reno for you. That's Reno. <laughs> we nope. Come on. We nope. We nope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, then you would be enjoying that so much right now. <laughs> I think Danny would have joined around the parking lot for that one. <laughs> Probably. Yep. It was, uh, yeah. yeah no, the, the, that, and, you know, I do like my friends that I, we've all, you know, everybody's gotten to know each other because it's, Sacramento is such a small town and, well, we include Modesto in that too. But anyhow. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're pretty small. <laughs> in our region. Um, it, it, it's just, everybody knows everybody and they're so willing to be nice, you know, and, and talk to then you know, your, your section mates, so to speak. It's, it's a lovely experience and I love watching a stadium come to life. So anyhow. Yeah, no, I, I agree too. I mean, uh, I kind of credit, you know, TBB is, you know, really making my first match back when I um, first went to a game as like, you know, being being a big reason as to like why I felt like I wanted to keep coming back to games and then eventually, you know, joining TBP like two years later. So, yeah. I mean, I agree. It's such a different atmosphere and, you know, I've been to a couple of like midweek games and then just some open cup games too. And it's not the same whenever, you know, like they might just bring one drummer out. Like <laughs> it just doesn't feel the same. So, so definitely <laughs> like it's, it's a big difference when, when you have like everyone there, you got like three, four drummers, or I guess even more, no, or more now. Now that Danny's 
coming over too. So it's just it's just so amazing to to be able to be there and you know do our chance and you know try and be as loud as we can. So we give our team that home advantage, you know, or that you know even more push of a home advantage too. So. Yeah, and if you ever watch, like, on television, if you watch the away games, because I don't always go to the away games, it's so pathetic to watch, like, when we play Orange County. It's like, okay, where's everybody? <laughs> Sorry. Don't mean to disparage Orange County or any of the other teams that don't have fan a huge fan base, but I, it, it's nothing compared to what we have. It's traffic you know. holds them back. That's why they don't show up till halftime. It's traffic. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> if, if they... Yeah. <laughs> you're giving them a buy or you're giving them a pass there Jonathan. Well, it's so hard I mean it, it's <laughs> difficult to be living in LA where traffic takes up every moment and you lose championships all the time you just can't get invested <laughs> <laughs> that's the Red Sox fan in me talking about the Dodgers right now <laughs> I've been to Chavez Ravine come on hey. how's that feel Luis yeah, I felt that. Yeah, so it was kind of quiet there. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think in, in the LA area, I mean, there's there's just a bunch of teams there that you know people have plenty to choose from, especially you know with the two LA MLS teams that you know I think that I think maybe a lot of people don't really want to go up like support you know like uh, USL teams as much. Yeah. So I mean, it's kind of a shame because I think if you know, that team would be in any other area where, you know, we wouldn't have an MLS team nearby, then I think more people would probably support them because um, I did go to a game there like two years ago. And yeah, I think there was only probably like 10 people in their supporters group, if if anything. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, it's kind of sad, but yeah, I mean, I guess kudos to them for, for being out there and still, you know, doing their chance, even though it's just a couple of them. So a question back to both of you guys. When we are MLS, who do you think and where do you think our USL affiliate will be if we have one? What, do you, what are your thoughts on that? I have some ideas, but what do you think? Reno. You think we'll and, take and, Reno? And the, and the reason is, is, the, is the distance, right? Because if you think about AAA baseball, um, most affiliates are close by where their teams are so the flight or the commute isn't isn't far so if a player goes down they have the ability to get a player within you know a few hours and so for us it would be it would most likely be a team that is a one and a half hour drive to a three hour flight so it'd be california contingent uh, maybe even Tacoma would be the furthest you go, but that's the Sounders territory. So you would yeah. have you would have um, Reno or maybe even Orange County. What about Fresno resurrecting? Because their problem was Ooh. they could the rent at the Chuck and the situation at the Chuck with the concession sales didn't come back to Fresno, and so that's one of the reasons why they stopped. Well, you have an academy now too, so you could always use your academy as your NASL or your uh, USL affiliate. There you go. You know, I, I would probably, I would probably guess uh, Napa. Napa. Yeah, of all places. Yeah. So um, wine? What? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I think looking at like all the cities nearby. I mean, of course, I wish uh, I'd say Modesto. That would be amazing. But you have the Modesto A's or whatever they're called. Wait, what's it called there in Modesto? The nuts. Um, the nuts. Thank you. Yeah, we have the. We had a while back, and they're actually. I think they're resurrecting the team, but they're not playing in Modesto. But there's the Cruisers. Yeah. At one point, mm-hmm. um, they're resurrecting them too, but they're playing in Sherlock, which is kind of weird, but. Um, yeah, I would probably guess Napa. I feel like there's not that many, you know, teams in the Bay. And having a team in the Bay would would be great for us, too. I mean, you get a lot of talent there. Um, but if we look, you know, more down south over here to, to our side, I would probably guess Stockton could be another option. Because What about the Oakland that? Roots if they switched to USL? What about the Oakland Roots? Ooh, oh, yeah. That. Yeah, that could be another good one, too, yeah. But I mean, San Jose may, may take that up. Oh, that could be their territory. Yep. I mean, San Jose has a uh, Reno, right? Yeah. Reno? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I guess it would make sense if they switched to, but, yeah, well, yeah it'll, be, it'll be interesting. See. You are going to have to, the next time you bring on somebody from either the Republic or somebody like that, that's a good question for them. <laughs> who, if they could pick mm. any region, who would they pick? <laughs> good question yeah all right john we got to put him on put it on the show notes now (laughs) i don't know if i want to ask the next guest that question though because i I don't know if he's ready to answer that it's kind of of a high up one very (laughs) 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 so uh you know here on the pod you know we you know before sacramento came about we we had other teams or we still do have other teams that we support you know, I, I support, along with Danny, we support Cruz Azul from Mexico. And, you know, John supports Manchester United and Celtic. So. I love you, John. <laughs> I'm with, I'm with you on the Man U. I used to be their Celtic or, or Rangers because we had, uh, who was it that went and played for the Rangers for a little while from the U.S.? And I kind of paid attention a little bit and then I, I lost I, lost I don't interest. know. Once once they joined Rangers, they were dead to me anyway, so I didn't <laughs> didn't pay attention. I know about I know about your because after listening to the pod with Adam, it's like I, I so know about that now. <laughs> oh yeah, he he still gets a little grief because he he his first trial and first call up was with Rangers, and so he and I, you know, it's a friendly it's going to be a friendly rivalry as long as he doesn't support either team. He can he he'll be says okay. he walks the fence. He yeah, said, a, you know, because, the, <laughs> and he grew, and he grew up in Glasgow and I don't know how he's able to say he walked the fence. There's no fence line in Glasgow that would allow him to be safe. <laughs> well, I hope he's listening to this so that he can come back and explain. <laughs> I, I think he's still practicing. I told him that I wanted to see him hit a back heel on a Pez um, dispenser with a Pez coming out. So he's probably still in the backyard perfecting that. With the cat, with yeah. the cat, with the cat, yeah. but it's a Pez dispenser now. So hopefully yeah. you're doing okay. that. <laughs> so do you support any other club other than uh, Republic? Or, oh yeah. And Manchester United. So, so this is another, it's not too far of a rabbit hole, but um, the, you know, whenever some of our U S players would go overseas and play, I would start watching that team just for the same reason. And so when, uh, Brian McBride and Clint Dempsey were playing for Fulham. <laughs> I was watching Fulham and cheering for Fulham. You know, when Timmy was playing for Everton after his stint at Man U, 
I was watching Everton and rooting like crazy for Everton. You know, it's like whenever we had one of our guys go over and play in the English Premier League or in Germany or in Holland, you know, it was kind of like I would keep an eye out on those teams to see how the team was doing, to see how our guys were affecting the play of the team. So sometimes it, it's a little weird, you know, like um, uh, West Ham, you know, I'm, I'm watching a little bit on you know, little West Ham and a lot of it that had to do with Carlton Cole, because when he was in the U S he and I became friends when he was playing for the Republic. Well, when he was, you know, um, actually just kind of hanging out with us. Um, sorry, that was my cat. Um, we, he and I have become, have become friends. So I've kind of been a closet um, West Ham supporter, but I really got to love menu during the um, Alex Ferguson days. And I always like watching a team as they're rebuilding. And I think that's where Manu has been for like the last nine years. Sorry, not really nine, but ever since Ferguson left, we've, they've been in a, a rebuilding phase. So it's kind of, it's kind of cool to follow those teams, but Bayern Munich, you know, if I get a chance to watch them, I'll watch them, but their, their play is so different than some of the other European clubs. Um, occasionally I'll watch the, Spanish league or the Italian leagues, but not as much. Um, like when Gareth Bale left, um, uh, when he, when he left for, was it, it, is it AC Milan? Who's he playing with? Who's Gareth Real Bale? Madrid. Real Madrid. Real Madrid. When he left for Real Madrid, he became dead to me. He was going to be like my favorite player to watch, but then he left the, you know, who I was watching on the English Premier League. So it's like, okay, hey, screw it. I'll pick another one. So Harry Kane, you know, I love watching Harry Kane play and, uh, and song. I like watching song play. So it just kind of, it just depends. But I, Manu is always, I, I still have a Manu scarf. I have a Manu sweatshirt. You know, I got Manu stuff. You can, so. you can be, you can, you can still hold the title of podcast mom for that comment. No matter whatever <laughs> happens. Just because Thank you have you. all the background of it, you get to keep you get to keep the uh, the legacy going on the name. Yay! Go for the title. <laughs> so, um, you know, as as we've kind of learned from the past couple of days, uh, seems that the USL might be restarting in May. Hopefully, it starts in May. Um, yes. What are you most excited about once the season starts back up? Um, well, cruising through the tailgates and then the camaraderie, and so I love watching a stadium come to life. Um, and I think a lot of that had to do with me working for all these years in pro soccer, but I love watching the pieces and parts come to life and then watching the show because it literally is a performance. It's show, it's entertainment. And, you know, I want to hear the noise. I want to see the players. I want to see how they're, you know, how they do when they finally step on the pitch again. I want to see that excitement because, you know, they're, it's pent up right now. All, all of us, we've got this pent up energy for, that sport so i mean that's a duh right yeah well it is so we had the opportunity to spend two matches with you but we had one match that actually counted before the league was suspended what was your takeaway from that game gel and that's not hair gel um we need to gel more in communication and backline strategies um i don't mean to be critical but you know, there's a few things that I noticed in the very beginning, like needing to pull the trigger more quickly um, before being closed down, whether it's passing or shooting. Um, 
there's a thing called defender blindness. And a lot of times when you're on the field, if you're not like fully aware of all this, all the player positioning of your opponent, you may think you're going to make a good pass, but the minute you go to make the pass, it's not there anymore. And so that sharpness, that quickness, it, that needs to, that needs to kind of get honed in. But overall, I observed that um, besides a little bit of ball watching, the whole night was so exciting. You know, I got to give the guys credit for being, you know, the, the first league game kind of a thing, you know, and they were all trying their best to do what they need to do. I mean, we have speedy wingers, we've got, you know, strong central players, but I was watching some of the players get a little bit gassed. I think uh, making subs a little quicker when you see the player get gassed is an important, um, is it would be an important strategy next time because our players are going to come back, not necessarily game fit. They're going to come back fit, but 90 minute game is a different thing than being fit. You know, game fit. We all know we played, you know, you can train all you want, but once you get in a game, that's a whole different level of output. Right. And that's one of the things that we've been saying on the podcast is that for every day of isolation, that's another day of training you need in order to get back up to game speed. That's right. So there's so much behind that idea and philosophy that people don't understand. They think that players are fit year round and they can just go back and play, but we can train all we want for a marathon. And it's not until you get to that marathon do you know what you're capable of. And soccer is a marathon. Right. And I like that you brought up the idea of we, you know, the the defensive blindness because the goal they scored was a goal that went through um, space, five defenders, not ball watching, but just not in the proper spacing, and they were able to score on that one goal. So on that, and it yep. went through five players. So that's a good insight on on that end. Um, now, with that in account, once we get back into to the season, I'm sure. Uh, coach will have uh, some some words that he's going to make sure are still in the players' ears. We'll find out more about that next week um, as we talk to him a little bit. Oh, good. But uh, yeah, nice. so we're excited to have have Coach uh, join us potentially next week. But uh, you know, we have USL for two years, but then we move to a bigger stage. And so, what are you looking forward to once the team moves to MLS and a new stadium? <laughs> So remember, I have an older sister. Okay, she's six years older. And even though I have the season tickets, she comes with me. So in one word, the thing we're looking forward to, <laughs> couches. Couches. Oh, man. Oh, yes. Man. <laughs> she wants to have seats in the, um, it's like a VIP thing, but there's going to be couches. <laughs> so I have to you know, kind of give her props, you know, and kind of give her, her, her thing. But yeah. So the, the couches. So besides that, me, the, the stadium, the newness, the freshness, the new car smell of a brand new stadium and having, you know, good solid grass. Oh, the, the smell of the pitch. Oh, oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> There's nothing, nothing beats the smell of like a Saturday fresh cut wet pitch. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah, it's going to be a little damp and it's going to be a little slippery and it's going to have, it's just, 
it's going to be that. I'm looking forward to that whole experience, walking through the stadium and smelling different things like the <laughs> vendors making food and, you know, somebody who spilled a beer, you know, you're just going to, you're going to smell. <laughs> I knew I got you. You're going to smell so many different things that it's like all your senses come. You get to hit all, all your senses when you go to a, an MLS match. I mean, like I go to the San Jose earthquake. I used to be a season ticket holder for the earthquakes and I just, just loved it. You know, it's like you get to the stadium and the, the crush and the, you know, the, the supporters and that feeling of getting ready and then watching the warriors take the field and, you know, kind of watching how each team postures when they're warming up and, um, you know, just like all of that and seeing the other part of it that kind of, I wish they would save it for the end of the game, but some of them don't guys know each other, right. And they know each other on opposite teams. And sometimes they'll do a little camaraderie stuff ahead of the game. It's like, no, go be their enemy. You can do the camaraderie afterwards, but still, you know, it's like watching the gamemanship gamesmanship ahead of, ahead of the match. I just, you know, I'm just so looking forward to having like, 22,000 people as opposed to 12, you know, it's just, I'm looking forward to seeing how this all unfolds in a brand new shiny stadium. Yeah. It's, it's going to be awesome. Definitely too. Like I, I had the chance to go to the bank of California the first season when they, um, when they played against the DC United in one of the regular yes. MLS season games. And of course, then the, the game against Sacramento for the open cup and it's, yeah, it's, you could tell, you know, with the new stadium and they had different food vendors that I hadn't really seen at like other game stadiums too. Like they had some really good tacos that really enjoyed both of the times that I was there. So yeah, I mean, our stadium is, you know, going to be that much more amazing, especially with, you know, all the things that it's going to be surrounded with. And I've been hearing that we're going to be having some food trucks around the stadium too so i mean it's yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be a different atmosphere and i, I mean it's gonna be a really unique spot to be at i think um oh it's exciting i i mean anything you guys do during your your podcast to build that excitement because it's already inside of me and it's going to be inside of so many other people that same enthusiasm that same excitement that same look forward you know we're it's it's unbelievable i mean we all it'll be, you know, a quarter of the noise of a stadium in Europe, but it will be just as meaningful, you know, for all of us. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, you know, me, me and John are, and Danny, you know, we're probably going to be doing a lot, you know, once the, the time gets closer and, you know, we'll probably be out there probably doing some pods as they're doing more construction or as like it's getting near completion too. So, yeah, I mean, we're really excited to even just to see the progress, you know, on, on that too so yeah i'm pretty sure we could get a i'm pretty sure we could get a a location for our podcast too inside of one of the uh rail yard uh vendors maybe and have our own little setup so we uh we can we can do pre-game um conversations from that uh that place oh yeah yeah that would be that'd be amazing and podcast mom would join you anytime that's right (laughs) that's right yeah (laughs) So Sharon, um, if you had an unlimited budget as an owner, you know, manager of a team, uh, what four players from any area would you build your squad around and why? So Peter Schmeichel, Ben Percy, Pele, and Drogba. 
and I know I've loaded up the top and the goal. Um, but if you think about what Pele has done for the sport entirely, if we could reincarnate him as a, you know, as a younger player, it would be phenomenal. His joy for the game is, is unmatched. And Drogba, I mean, before he had malaria uh, and even after he recovered, the dude was a beast. He was unstoppable. I mean, he was an amazing player. And then with Robin Van Persie, his touch, his finesse, everything that he did was gold. You know, he was often called the hero. And, um, you know, he's a very highly respected player. And then Peter Schmeichel, I mean, come on. The great thing. So I put out on Twitter, you know, name your, your top four for this question, your top four, but you had to pick one from each position. And for me, it was my back was Peter Schmeichel because uh-huh. nobody was going to, nobody was going to give him a bad time. He was uh-huh. so stocky in the shoulders and just so broad based. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, you had Paolo Maldini, who was a, an IQ yes. wizard in the back. Loved him. My midfielder was Zidane because he, his touch, he could do things. It was between, I, I couldn't choose. It was Ronaldinho or Zidane. And I went with Zidane. And at yeah. the top, you, you, you can't say no to Eric Cantona. That's true. That's true. I mean, I remember my first game watching the Manchester United game was um, where he went and Kung Fu kicked the supporter in the stand. It was a replay. And <laughs> for me, it was like, I really like that guy because he had the mentality of this will take everybody back to the Sacramento Knights when they were indoor. He had the mentality of Sean Blakeman. Yeah. And Sean Blakeman would would be that guy who, you know, if he was a hockey player, he'd be an enforcer, but he was very skilled in the defense. Um, and so when I saw Eric Cantona do that, I was like, oh, yeah, he's my favorite. He's my favorite. So that would be my four. Oh, that's great. Luis, you, what, who would be your four? On a goalkeeper, I would probably choose uh, Buffon. I mean, that, that guy, yes. like, he's, he's eternal. <laughs> I love Buffon. He, yes. He's a turn out there to um Still out back. He's like 90 years old. Oh yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> out back I definitely choose Roberto Carlos. Like I mean, not only was he oh. a good defender, but you know, you give him a free kick and he's going to give you this like just crazy the banana. Goal. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, I had forgotten about Roberto Carlos. Yeah. Very mild-mannered uh, gentleman who who played the played the game right. Probably Ronaldinho. I've always been a big fan of uh, his game, and you know, I mean, he's you know, of course, is what's been going on with him lately isn't all that great. But if we look at his uh, playing career, like he he just, I mean, he loved the game. He had he had you know a lot of I think of Pelé's uh, spirit, just you know, always being happy. Yes. He always had a smile. So I, I think those players are always really contagious, you know, around the field and just everyone that played with them is, you could tell they were enjoying their game definitely too. Um, yeah. Yep. And then up front, I would choose Miroslav uh, close. I mean, top World Cup goal scorer. Wow. He just, you know, he knew where to be at, at the right moment too. So That is you know. a very good pick. Wow. I like that one. I like that one. <laughs> what do you guys think about Rio Ferdinand? I like Rio. He was good. Uh, yeah, he was a good defender. Yeah. But he's not Paulo Maldini. I can name, <laughs> you know, Nesta was a yeah. better defender than he was. Yeah, uh, yeah. If you go through, it, you know, Mathis and any yeah. any um, 
Cannavaro, like there, there's a mm-hmm. lot of other defenders who I would pick before I pick Rio. But Rio's, okay. Rio would be some there. Even Yopstam would be ahead of him. Oh my God. So you, you just, you, yeah. <laughs> and the many of it is like, it's just those those ideas and those names. And Nemanja Vidic's career kind of got cut short because of injuries. Yep. So Which, there, there's yeah. There, there's probably seven guys I can name before I would pick Rio. Yeah, that's true. Good point. So, Good point. So Sharon, what are your thoughts on the Republic um, as it's been related to their impact on the community? So I will have to say the founders and then the subsequent, you know, people that have come along and the, and the board and the investors, they know how to wiggle their way into connections with others, you know, who have, I hate to say this, great Rolodexes. And our community is built on, um, sorry, contactless Rolodexes from my era, not so much yours. Um, and Sacramento is, you know, we're such a tight knit community that's small enough so that all the key players within the community, once they see a hot thing taking off, they have their own version of FOMO. They don't want to miss out. And, you know, the original founding people made those deep connections so that we're watched. You know, the, re- the Republic is being watched as the, the thing, you know, the thing that springs more things. And so between knowing that they're going to have building construction going on and hiring people for that and hiring people for other things and the um, uh, synergy that's created from a, a stadium life done right, um, you know, and a, and a development around a stadium. I mean, all those things are all right. They're co- the correct thing to do to build community because there's that. And then the Republic gives back. I mean, they have people, two or three people that are working on community investment. That's their job is to go and find those opportunities to help either nonprofits or, or that, that, that. And so the nonprofits, did you see their, they had like a live feed or they, um, somebody did a live feed of their recent um, community nonprofit uh, event. They hosted a, yeah, we were, a big, I was in attendance. Okay. You saw how many people showed up at that. I was supposed yeah. to be there because I'm also the head of my neighborhood association and nonprofit. Um, because we, you know, we want to have a little bit of a relationship even down here in Elk Grove with the Republic to help support our, our events when we host events. I was, I didn't go, but I was blown away at the attendance. That speaks volumes, you know, when you have a, a pro sports franchise that is that deeply connected. I mean, yeah. the Kings are the same way. We get a lot of our good people from the Kings, like Brent Sasaki and, um, you know, Ben Gumpert. I mean, all of our, a lot of our good folks, Erica Bjork in the early days. I mean, we had a lot of people come in from the Kings that knew how to do all this stuff. So it's, it's kind of, it's nice. It's nice to see it. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's great. You know, I mean, it's only going to keep growing once we join MLS too. So yeah, it's, it's going to get even bigger too. So that's, it's awesome, you know, to see him really be that involved with the community and to give back. And, you know, we've we've seen the dozens of stories, you know, that, that they've been a part of, too. And, you know, it just it makes you that much more happier to support a club like that, too. So it's it's great. Because they're honest and they're good in their heart when they're doing all of this. 
No, it's not that they're doing it for one reason or another. They're doing it's goodness. They're doing it of goodness. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, like uh, also with the, the care they give to fans too. Like, I mean, I could name so many stories that, you know, like I had a bad experience here or something happened here. And then they're always really quick about, you know, wanting to know what happened, getting details and making sure that you're taken care of and that, you know, your voice is heard too. So really, I agree. Really great people. I agree. I agree. hundred percent. So um, Sharon, you were um, telling us off air that it was in your bucket list to attend a Champions League final. Yes. Um, if you could have done that sooner, which uh, past final would you have gone to and why? Oh, I think I would have gone to the All England final. Ooh. No. Okay. Was that just last year? No, there was one before that. Do you remember that one? Was it the Derby? The All England final of uh, Manchester United and Chelsea when the PKs. Yes, yes. Would have loved to have been there. I think I even told friends that would have been the game I wanted to be at. John Terry missed a PK because he slipped. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I have missed a PK because I was so tired and I thought I could do it. And it's like when, you're, when your body is tired, your concentration is just suckage, you know? I, I so, get it, but, you know, it's just it's just a zing to, to Chelsea supporters. That's all. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> And here I am being the diplomat and you're, okay, we'll see. We'll see how we go. Right. You gotta, yeah. gotta do it. Yeah. You're, you're, that's very good. We yeah, gotta like be... Chelsea because of Christian Pulisic. I mean, we still gotta, we no. like, gotta like our no. U.S. guys. No? See, no, see, we had a, we had a conversation about this a couple of weeks back about, can you support another team that you are rivals against? And it, I, I referred to it as being a, a Red Sox supporter. And and appreciating the Yankees or saying, oh, the Yankees are a great team. You can't. No matter no matter who's there, you can support the player, but I'm not going to support the result at the end of the day. I see. Okay. Okay. So I, I definitely. I, can, I, can I, I have a hard line. I I draw a line in the sand. Like there, there's nothing there. Like uh, my son Jackson is. He was came around Super Bowl and I don't I don't we don't do NFL we don't do pro football in this house it's college football if we do um and I was like you know what you can pick your team go ahead and pick your football team and he's like I want to be a Chiefs fan I'm like okay that's fine you know my whole family's Niners supporters but he's like I like I like Mahomes he's got a good attitude and he plays the game in a fun way I'm like that's the perfect reason to like a team so yep. hopefully he he picks up and stays as a as a Chiefs supporter but we'll see <laughs> no peer pressure from the home. <laughs> Seriously, no. My, my. He's a Red Sox supporter. He's a uh, Republic and Manchester supporter, and uh, Oregon Duck supporter. Other than that, he can support anybody he wants. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's written, so it must be. He, so he signed that one in blood, right? He did. He did, <laughs> and it's fine. So I want to take you back to February of this year. Um, Luis and I were attending a match, um, against the Monarchs and we ran into you at the, at the conclusion of the game and we clicked and we thought that it would be interesting. I think it was one of your friends who said, Oh, this is the new podcast mom. So (laughs) how did you become okay with being referred to as podcast mom? (laughs) Well, um, 
so you mentioned earlier in the in the podcast that I support the players, right? And what I've done is kind of give them a place that if they wanted to be here or if I host a barbecue, it's kind of like coming to mom's house. Even though it's like, I'm not a mom. I have no kids, but I'm okay with that. And then when when y'all said, hey, we should have you on a podcast. And then somebody piped up with, oh yeah, podcast mom. It's like, okay, I'll let the mom go and put a podcast in front of it. We're good. <laughs> hey. Hey, well, that's awesome. But we're glad that you're able to join us. And, and we hope that we're able to uh, have many more conversations with you um, after results. And even before games, I think that would be, that'd be a kick in the pants. Absolutely. You know, you guys, you're right about the click. And I really appreciate how we've clicked and, you know, all the, tower, the TBB folks and y'all. Thank you for making me feel so welcome. Appreciate it. Well, we appreciate you. Yeah, we appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, podcast mom. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we wanted to thank you, you know, again for taking the time to join us today. You know, talk all things soccer. Um, we appreciate the time you gave us, and you know, all the amazing stories you shared with us. And you know, please feel free to join us again. You know, before or once the season returns, and you know, have a great rest of your day. It was an honor. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Shane. Okay, you guys. Have a good night. Have a good Be night. well. Stay healthy. Thank you. You too. And we'll be back with some updates on some information for you in our community. Tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league squad, adult, or even pro team? Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your custom kit today at IcarusFC.com. And we're back. Thank you for taking the time to join us today. We want to say thank you to Sharon Anderson for supporting and joining us on the show uh, to give us some insight into soccer and how she uh, has been a staple in the community of soccer here in Sacramento since the 80s. So this time in the podcast, we want to take a moment to send out some reminders and some thank yous to local organizations that uh, have been kind enough to join our podcast and be there with us since day one. One of those companies, Makuni. Makuni is offering 15% off your order and has it has made it easy with the Makuni app. Please make sure to pre-order. Stay in your car when you arrive and they will deliver your meal to you. Visit them today at makunisushi.com or download their app that is available in app stores today. So if you're not following us yet on social media, let us tell you the social media platforms where we're located at. So we're on Twitter at FC, And if you tweet at us, comment anything on the tweets that we do, then there is a high likelihood you'll get a response. And as I've said in the past, it's a high likelihood it'll be John responding to you. So feel free to, you know, send him some messages and yeah, I mean, talk to him about whatever you want. And we're also on Instagram at Sacktown FC. And then we're also on Facebook. We actually have a Facebook page called Sacktown FC podcast and a Facebook group called Sac Republic fans. Invite you to join that Facebook group. It's amazing. We're always posting about latest podcast content, 
I mean, anything related to the soccer world and just, you know, anything going on in our local communities as well. And we recently created a YouTube channel called Sacktown FC, where we have actually partnered with StreamYard in order to provide live content for everyone. So we've said it, and I just have to keep on saying it too, because we, we really want to reach our goal, but we're trying to reach our goal of um, 100 subscribers. And the way it works is that once we reach 100 subscribers, um, YouTube will allow us to do lives. And ideally, once the season kicks back, we want to do some lives at the game. So, you know, help us meet that goal. You know, just hit that subscribe button and we'll be able to do that once the season comes back. And even before the season, we might do some lives of our podcast too. That's right. So make sure you hit that subscribe button, help us out, and we'll, we'll be able to get more content uh, streamed to you guys. So we want to say thank you for listening to us on all major podcast platforms and taking the time to engage with us on social media during this interesting and definitely different time. Please remember to be safe during this, not just for the safety of yourself, but for others as well. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and look forward to more podcasts uh, in the future. And coming soon, a conversation with a group called the Cooligans. Cheers for now. We'll talk to you guys later. Cheers, everybody. Thank you, everyone. Have a good night.